Hi, friends and time slots. This is Paige. I'm just hopping on to do a quick disclaimer that we know the audio quality of this episode is not great. Um, Helene and I were both at our respective parents' houses for Thanksgiving weekend, and neither of us thought to bring our microphones home with us, and uh, we both had a lot of technical difficulties getting on to our respective devices to record the episode. So just we're trying our very, very best, full of turkey. Well, I'm full of turkey, Helena's vegetarian. I'm getting off track. Uh, We wanted to get this out to you. We love you. Enjoy your holidays. Gobble, gobble. Sorry. Enjoy. Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel. And love. And friendship. And the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena. And I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast. And you loved it. Let's go. Hi. Hi, miss you. Miss you too. <laughs> Does, do we have a? Do you have a song for today? On the first day of Christmas Eve, my true love gave to me a, a giant, giant falling on my head that killed me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's that's about it. That's about it. Pretty funny yeah. way to die. Honestly, can't wait to talk about all the ways he died. It was it was fun. It was a good time. So the movie we're doing today is the twelve, the 12 days of, of Christmas, Christmas Eve. The two thousand four version. Apparently, Helena brought to my attention there is a movie that comes out. I believe maybe we're recording this on Saturday, November twenty sixth, and I think Helena, you said there's a a twenty twenty two version that's coming out. On today, Saturday. Yeah, November today. 26th. Yeah. Yes, with um. Wait, I already forget who Kelsey was in Kelsey Grammer. It. Oh, Kelsey Grammer and his daughter. Because so I, the reason I know about this is because I obviously was like trying to figure out how to watch this 2004 version, which you know it's not on Netflix, obviously. So then I realized that there was another version. Um, and all of the press for it is like how Kelsey Grammer and his daughter repaired their relationship by being in a Christmas movie together. Um, oh no. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kelsey Grammer had like all sorts of substance abuse issues for a long mm-hmm. time. So I'm sure it had something to do with that. But also the way that they repaired their relationship was by being in a Hallmark movie. So I don't know. I feel like it could be like it could work. Lifetime. Oh, lifetime. Well, whatever. Yeah. Same idea. Uh I only know that because it took me a while to figure out what TV network the movie we're watching today was on because it kept coming up that it was a lifetime movie because of the 2022 one. It's not the movie we watched from 2004 was a USA network original movie. Wow. USA network. That is, that's a deep cut right there. Yeah. Which is probably why spoiler alert, there wasn't a central romance in it. Right. Cause it was not meant if it had to been be on Hallmark or lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, USA is, like, characters welcome. So they're, like, it's all about a character study. <laughs> and God, apparently. Yeah. Lots of lots to discuss here 
interestingly. Um, but we will reveal at this time that there is no central romance. We we got we got got by this movie. We got got again. I'm so sorry. The trailer and the like short plot summary make it seem like part of his redemption is like getting back with his ex-wife. Right. He yeah, that doesn't happen. Also, and also all of the signs, the way that the movie is constructed made it seem that way until the very last moment when he did not get back together with his ex-wife. Yeah. So, Which I mean, very we weird. Talk about, in our romance section, we'll talk about his relationships with the two women in his life, including his ex-wife, because as we know, just because you don't end up together doesn't mean there wasn't a romance there that's worth discussing. But as far as like the actual concept of our podcast goes, we failed. We failed. We failed you, and we we apologize at this time. Yes, but also we had already watched the movie, and it's Thanksgiving weekend, and we're not going to just like watch an extra movie. So yeah, I I got to the end of the movie and was like, well, I still need to get credit for this, and I don't have other time to watch a movie. So it is what it is. Yeah, and um, you don't pay us, so get over it yeah that's true you get this content for free so no complaints all right and with that should we summarize it yeah we meet calvin carter played by stephen weber on the morning of christmas eve he is the successful ceo of the buck stops here chain of discount stores started by his father we quickly learn that he took the company from the brink of bankruptcy to being so successful that they are now considering expanding internationally into south america in fact, this very morning, a businesswoman from Brazil, Isabel Frias, played by Patricia Velasquez, is coming to the office to discuss this expansion. Isabel's visit means that Calvin will have to spend the day convincing her that he is a good person to go into business with, which for some reason also means that his receptionist and his associate, Drew, will also have to work. It also means that he misses his son's Christmas choir concert, much to the chagrin of his ex-wife, Marilyn. And he can't make it to the very fancy lunch date planned by his current girlfriend, Rihanna. He also doesn't go to his brother's annual holiday party or spend any time with his ailing father, but those don't really seem Isabel-related. After a long day of whining and dining, Isabel seems sold as she heads back to Brazil, and Calvin celebrates with a drink before leaving his office. Unfortunately, on his way out the door, he is struck by the giant mechanical finger hanging above the entrance and presumably killed. However, he wakes up in a spooky, dark hospital room where a lone nurse, Angie, played by Molly Shannon, is taking Molly care Shannon. of him. Molly Shannon. Woo, Molly Shannon. Really the draw of this movie. TV Truly, age. yeah. Uh, so anyway, Angie is taking care of him. Uh, when he tries to get up, she dissuades him, telling him he has internal wounds, and they're not sure if he's going to make it. He drifts off to sleep. When he wakes up, he's back in his bed on the morning of Christmas Eve again, exactly where we met him the first time. Weird. He quickly catches on that either this is extreme deja vu or he's reliving this day. He goes through the day very similarly with a few small adjustments, such as making it to his son's choir recital and doing an even better job with Isabel. At the end of the night, he goes out a different exit to avoid the sign falling and immediately gets hit by a snowplow and is presumably killed again. He wakes up in the creepy hospital room with Angie, but we get very little new information. After the third loop, Calvin starts demanding answers. We learn from Angie that basically he has 12 tries to get this day right, whatever that means, or he'll never make it to Christmas Day. 
He already went through the day three times, which means he now has nine days left. We then see Calvin try to win this game. He tries giving away $1.2 million in $100 bills to strangers, giving all his employees a day off, giving lavish presents to his family. After none of that works, he has his nihilist day where he just does whatever he wants and indulges in pleasure. He ends up skydiving with Rihanna, which leads to his death. After that loop, he tells Angie that as he was falling to his death, he realized he needed to tell Rihanna how he felt about her. In the next loop, his third to last one, he tells Rihanna how he feels and he even proposes marriage, but it goes poorly. Rihanna says she's seen how he is as a husband and a father and she wants no part of that. This bums Calvin out and he spends the rest of the day depressed. The next loop, he goes and works in a soup kitchen and talks to a priest. After that loop, he basically tells Angie he is giving up, but he hopes he did enough to keep the business going because people count on the business. Angie tries to point out that people count on him, not just his checkbook, but he is bad at listening. In the last loop, it seems like Calvin is just trying to enjoy his last day, spend time with his loved ones, and not leave any loose ends untied. He sends Isabel Frias home, breaks up with Rihanna, and then spends most of the day with his son. He then takes his son to his brother's holiday party, where he has nice interactions with his ex-wife, his brother, and his father. In the middle of a conversation with his father, Calvin collapses, clutching his chest. Calvin wakes up in a hospital room again, but this time it is just a normal hospital room full of human beings. And it is Christmas Day! He did it! Also, he was just having bad heartburn. He's gonna be fine. He gets out of bed and goes to greet his waiting family. He then sees Angie going down a hallway and follows her. They have a nice goodbye moment before she disappears into thin air. The end. Ooh, Ooh spooky. Um, there's, there's no blast from the past this week. There's nothing here. Uh, the most interesting thing is that Molly Shannon is married to a man named Fritz, Fritz Chestnut. Uh, I just, I just love that for her. I really do. Like, it feels right. She is a silly lady who's married to a man with a silly, silly name. Yeah. Also, I thought, uh, I don't know if you recognized, I guess I'm sort of doing Blossom of the Past, but we're not doing it. It's not, we're not really doing it. It's, this is not really it's, doing it. We're that. not really doing it. We're not really doing it. But I, I don't know if you recognize Patricia Velasquez, but she, she was on the L word. She did look familiar. Who is she on the L word? I don't know. I'm going to have to look because it up. I'm going to have to look it up now. I, this is not Blossom of the Past. We're not doing it, so I don't know. All who right. She well, was. if you need to cut this, you can. But she did look so familiar, and I was like, "Why do I know her?" Uh, oh, she was in the Mummy Returns too. Yes, yes, she was. But no one can know about that because we're not doing Blast from the Past. Lots of uh, gay culture here. <laughs> yeah, and she she was gay married for a little while. Oh, so she, she is gay. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Because not a lot of not everybody on the L word was gay. Most of them were not. <laughs> Karina Begonia? That's a terrible name. Oh, that was her character's name? No, I'm rabbit holing. Just give me a minute. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Okay, if anybody listening has watched The L Word, the part where they make Jenny's movie that's about the whole um, queer community, like all, she, it's about all of her friends. It's called Les Girls. Patricia Velasquez was in one of the actors in the movie. Okay, great. That was not blast from the past that was that was just chit chat yeah that was just us chatting (laughs) moving on to moving on to magic Magic, science Science, 
just, just a, a dream. dream. Excuse me. Oh, I had to burp at the same time. Twinsies. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Horrible. So far away. And yet we have to burp at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Here's where we're talking about the hows and the whys of the time travel. Peek behind the curtain. It is noon on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, as I feel like we we stated before. But like, just like think about think about the state you were in on noon <laughs> at noon on Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and if your brain was working at maximum capacity, <laughs> you know, just think about it. Okay. I don't think I don't think the time slots need us to be a maximum capacity they just need us to be like you know in a good mood are you in a good mood i mean yeah now that we've like dealt with the technical issues i think so are you yeah i mean i would say i'm like i'm a potato oh okay you're in a potato mood i'm in a potato mood i don't know if potatoes are you know potatoes don't really have good and bad moods they just potato they just you potato. Know? That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I think that that works. Okay. So okay. it's so interesting. Um, we went many years without having any sort of overt religious interventions, right? Like as we've talked about, there's been undertones of God, but no overt mentions of religion. And then all of a sudden it seems like we have a lot of overt religious time travel uh time loops. well i mean it is like christmas so it does kind sure. of make sense it's easy it's a it's a hop skip and a jump i think yeah so this yeah so i would say this is very much again we can argue if we want to count spirituality religion god as magic this falls under magic i would say it falls under the term magic yeah. It's like religious magic. Religious magic. Religion magic. God magic. God magic. Uh, Angie is very clearly an angel. We established this very early on. And she, then she literally says at the end of the movie to him that God is in the small details. Yeah, it took like a really hard left turn into religion when she was like, God's in the details or whatever. It was like, I was like, oh, what? USA Network? Okay. USA Network? Very strange. Very strange. And then there was also that whole, there was, in one of the loops, he decides that he's going to leave the hospital room, which he's not supposed to do. Molly Shannon's been very mm-hmm. clear that he's not supposed to leave the hospital room. But he leaves and basically, like, has a moment where he, like, I don't know. There's, like, this weird, like, purgatory situation that he ends up in. Right. It's just a, like a, it's limit a black hallway of nothing. It's very creepy. Very spooky. Yeah, and then Molly Shannon, like, pulls him out of it and is like, I really shouldn't be doing this because if you leave, you should not come back. But I I did it for you because I like you or whatever. Unclear why. He's a very unlikable man, but... Very unlikable man, but she decides... I mean, she's just she's just very determined. She doesn't want to... She says she's never lost a patient. It's God magic, and then it also has a, like, hospital allegory. <laughs> like, they're using the hospital as, like, the religious, like... I don't know, the means to the religious Hospital end. is purgatory. Yeah. And then 
when he goes into that like black hole space, he also sees that there are a bunch of hospital beds that are um, no longer occupied and basically discovers that like other people have um, solved the 12 days of Christmas issue before him. the test, so to speak. Yeah. Which I guess suggests that this is only a Christmas thing to do. Like this only happens, does this only happen around Christmas? Is this like a a practice of the religious apparatus that they like kill people on Christmas Eve and then give them chances? Yes, I, it seems so. It seems like, and he runs out, I would say what, like eight days in? Yeah, that sounds right. So it's implied that everybody else solves theirs within the first eight days. That seems unlikely to me, but. Yeah, I mean, based on what we know about how people react to time loops uh, in general in in our research, um, I would say that eight days is like really fast. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting that this exists in a world that also has a Christmas carol in it because he asks her if she's a ghost of Christmas past and where her chains are. <laughs> and she's like no we're not doing christmas carol we're doing the 12 days of christmas gambit okay but it is it's like the same thing because it's like the change your life bit so it's just i guess you're a little more active you have to actually do something to change your life whereas in like in a christmas carol you just sort of see a bunch of shit and then they're like all right, hope that worked. Yeah, there's like more trial and error to this this format. Yeah, Christmas Carol, you only get three sort of vignettes usually to change your life. So I guess that's like taking on the short format of Christmas Carol, but giving you the power, giving the the time traveler the power. Would you say? Sort of. I mean, power in the sense that you can do whatever you want within the day, but you don't have the power to decide if you've like passed the test and get to move on to tomorrow yeah. or you die. The stakes are life and death, which is fun. Yeah. I did like the stakes. I have to say. And I think that like, I mean, the problem here, the problem that I have here is that like, because the stakes are so high, I feel like a big theme in time loop movies is you have to be doing, you have to be doing good for some other reason than like to get out of the time loop, like you just have to be doing good for the sake of good, right? right. Um, and it's they do kind of manage it because he does just sort of give up on the last day, and he's like, yeah. I I probably like won't make it, but I'm gonna like have a good day anyway. But I do think it's like a little bit, it's a lot harder. The idea of it, like if you were if you were the one caught in the time loop, the idea of it would be a lot harder because getting to that state of like release or like release from the pressure of it release from the like doing it for yourself would be very hard to get to in 12 loops right yes I think there's always going to be the self-awareness the sense of the self-gain no matter what you do you're doing it to show that you are a good person I honestly don't think the point of it, though, is for him to show that he's, like, a good person, because he does, it doesn't seem to matter to them when he does, and again, he's doing it for his own self-interest, right, when he, like, gives away 
a million dollars or gives his employees a day off, blah, blah, blah. But I think, like, for him specifically, doing it, quote, unquote, the right way is just, like, spending time with his family. They don't seem to really care if he is... They don't seem to care if he is a good magnanimous boss. They don't seem to care if he gives a lot of money to charity. They don't seem to care about some things that like I personally would might care about for his good <laughs> as a human being. <laughs> the thing that Molly Shannon really seems to need from him is to like actually spend time with his son and brother. And break and up dad. with a slut girlfriend. <laughs> yes, and break up with Rihanna. They really just want him to spend time with his family and make sure that everybody else is spending time with their family, you know, when he like sends Isabel home. Although Which, I guess very presumptuous. <laughs> Maybe she hates her family. We don't know. Yeah. And Drew, he lets Drew spend time with his family. Although weirdly they don't, it doesn't seem to matter when he lets hundreds of people be with their family when he closes all his stores, but I right. right. Because they're minimum wage workers most likely. So we don't care about them. No, they can all go on their own journeys. Yeah, him, poor boss man who doesn't spend time with his family. Yeah, yeah. I it, it is funny because like there are like a lot of elements. There are a lot of elements of Christmas Carol in this, in that he's like a a mean boss who makes people work on Christmas Eve and stuff. So it feels like it should be Christmas Carol format, but it's not. Yeah, I think they're trying to address that with the line about the ghosts of Christmas past. They're like. We know you think that this was what this is, but we are being clever. But it's something different. (laughs) They also have a line in there about Sisyphus, how he feels like he's Sisyphus, which is a common theme we've seen through these time loop movies. Yeah, he's like the ultimate time loop guy. He's he's doing a time loop in the sense that he's pushing that rock up that hill. Although there was a twist here because Calvin is like, was Sisyphus being punished or whether God's testing him and I'm like no it's it's pretty clear he was being punished that's <laughs> yeah, like that's the whole point of the story <laughs> I forget what Sisyphus actually did to deserve the punishment but yeah. it was definitely like explicitly a punishment because he was dead and in Hades so right also like what would the test be I don't know. He only has one task. Like, it's not like he could go spend time with his son. <laughs> Apparently, he was being punished for cheating death twice. Okay. Well, I don't know. Calvin did not cheat death, so I don't think that it really applies. I mean, he sort of cheated death 11 times. I know, but it seems like the gods or god, uh, depending on what you believe, were like explicitly saving him to give him another chance so really calvin should be grateful because he should have died when that sign fell on him but then they were like here's some more chances to live sure it also is interesting because it is implied that like they're sending these other things to kill him right the snowplow at one point he dies because of a trash can falling on him yeah Um, that one i was like i don't know if he would die but okay (laughs) sure why not uh, there's one very funny one where he, he, we don't see this happen, but he says to Angie, you had me walk into an open manhole. Who am I? Wiley E. Coyote, which yeah. I found very funny. But then there's the the skydiving one. He's mad because it happened earlier in the day. And she's like, well, that wasn't us. The, the parachute actually just malfunctioned. 
which I have consistency issues with that. But regardless, I'm like, okay, so in that case, you should be grateful, Calvin, because like you said, like they are actually, he was, he has cheated death, right? Like he should have actually just died if the parachute was meant to malfunction. Yeah, that's true, actually. Because if they weren't involved, he should have just been fully dead. Right. Although, to be fair, if they weren't involved, he would never have gotten to the point where he was skydiving on Christmas Eve. So, Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> Did not consider the fact that they were skydiving on Christmas Eve, but you're, you're <laughs> correct. Um, should we move on to the consistency? It feels like we're already, we're already in there. Sure. Rolling right into... What have you done? So let's start with the skydiving because I was just talking about it. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, there's a reason that you like don't you're not allowed to just skydive free fall on your own your first time out. I think okay, so I I agree with that, but I think that I got the impression that they had like been practicing learning to skydive because when they're um, talking about it, they try to make it seem like they're talking about something else. Unclear what. They try to make it seem like full of innuendo because the two people are, he's in bed with his girlfriend. They've just had sex. A reminder, this is like his um, indulgent uh, hedonist day, his Mm -hmm. nihilistic day. Um, And he's like, I've scheduled us for our greatest pleasure or something. They, they try to make it seem like maybe he like hired someone to have a threesome with them. I or, like, also wrote down that I thought they were talking about a threesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's like, "Are we ready? Like, do we? Are we really prepared for this?" To me, that was implying that they had been uh, learning how to skydive, like to do a, a solo skydive. Sure. For a while. Okay, fine. Then it's still hard for me to believe that both the regular parachute and the reserve parachute both without any intervention from the gods or god above both would have malfunctioned there's a reason that there's a reserve parachute yeah I agree with that but it it was I I don't know I was I was tickled by by the whole thing like I I thought all the ways he died were very funny yeah Um, for sure but I did think um you know, if you know you're going to die, I mean, maybe that's the time to, to, to go skydiving. It's like, you know, you're probably going to die that day, so you might as well. Sure. The death that I liked the most was probably the one where he was in the bathtub and it was 11.59 and he thought he had made it to the end of the day. And yeah. then he popped some champagne and it caused the chandelier to fall on him and electrocute mm-hmm. him in the bath. Okay, yeah, but here's my consistency question with that death. Where was Rihanna? Great, great cue. It's midnight in his apartment that he shares with his beautiful girlfriend. He's in the tub drinking champagne by himself. <laughs> maybe they don't actually live together. Maybe maybe they haven't moved in. She was just spending the night the night before. And she doesn't want to spend the night on Christmas Eve? No, she hates him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she to be fair, he did, oh. he did miss their reservation that day. He did not sure. go to yeah. La Petite Maison, which, by the way, fucking love La Petite Maison as the name of the fancy French restaurant. Yes. Perfect. Um, well, he usually he usually goes to La Petite Maison. It's just that he takes... <laughs> I, we didn't make this clear in the summary because it, it would just be too convoluted to try to say very quickly. <laughs> but he does go to their reservation that she's waited months for them to get. 
it's just that instead of going with her, he calls, or he doesn't call her, he has Drew, his assistant, lackey, I don't know, call her and be like, hey, um, he wants to take this Brazilian businesswoman somewhere nice for lunch. So he's taking the reservation you've waited months for, and he's going to go with her to your fancy lunch, and you are not you invited. Can't go. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah, horrible. I mean, I understand why she like was like, I do not want to marry you when he suddenly proposed to her without a ring and yeah. was like, we should get married. Yeah. Makes sense. I thought, yeah, I thought she seemed great. All of her choices made sense. I have no problems with Rihanna. Yeah, I, I think Rihanna's great. Can we just talk about her a little more in feminism? <laughs> yeah. As far as consistency things, okay, let's go back to Drew, who is who works for him in some capacity, but seems completely unnecessary to the entire day. I don't know what he's adding to Calvin's interactions with Isabel. He's just a, a vessel to make it clear, like what an asshole he is, I guess. But we see that in other in other relationships, so I'm not really sure why we need him. Um, even like in the context of the movie itself, right? He's supposed to be, I think, it's like a counter to Drew or to Calvin because Drew is like also a businessman, but we see him in the beginning talking to his wife and his son and being like, "I wish I could spend Christmas Eve with you. I'm being forced to come into work." Yeah, because he's Bob Cratchit. Right? That's that's who... Sure. Yeah. 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 But we're not doing a Christmas carol, so that's oh, confusing we are to a me. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, okay, this is another one. People do give him pushback about, like, working on Christmas Eve. Um, but also, I really don't think that this businesswoman wants to close this deal on Christmas Eve. Like, that's not the day to close a deal. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they're like, oh, well, you know, Latin America, things are different there. It's like, yeah, they're like even more religious, like. And like even less driven by the need to work every hour of every day. Right. It's not as much, a, from what I understand, it's not quite as much a part of the culture there to like right. work every second of your of your life. Um, so it seems very strange that she's like, no, we have to meet on Christmas Eve. And this makes sense to me. Yeah. At the very end, he sent her home and then she calls him on Christmas day to be like, thank goodness you sent me home because now I had time to rest and be with my family. So welcome to Latin America. Also, I'm confused about why she's like who she is, who's like the arbiter of like bringing stores to Brazil. She's the lady who brings stores to Brazil. (laughs) I don't know what's confusing about that. Okay. I also really like when in the second time loop where he like does, he knocks it out of the park even harder with Isabel. His big like gotcha moment of his presentation is when he's like, I bet you've read our business plan because that's like something she said in the previous day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, no shit. She's read your business plan. She's just preparing for a meeting. What's wrong with you? Why are you yeah. acting like it's a big deal that you know that? Because she's a lady, you know? She's a lady. You're right. You're so right. So it's a big deal that he's taking her seriously, even though the loop before he ends the day by being like, mm, I think she was into me. I know, but he also like did take her seriously in terms of business the day before. Like, yes, the the I think she's into me thing sucks, obviously. But it's also very funny because it's like, the the second time loop is weird because he doesn't make that much progress, but we see most of it. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't give us that much more information. So structurally, I feel like it was a, a bit of a weird choice. Yeah, I mean, I would say this movie is not um, super well-paced or well-written. No, none of the above. Absolutely not. So I think that maybe answers some of those <laughs> issues. Um, my last thing about Isabel is that I don't know how he would have rebooked her flight. That seems very difficult. He, sure. in the last time loop, he like meets her and is like, hello, Ms. Ms. Frias. Um, I rebooked your flight. Get out of here. It's in, it's in half an hour. <laughs> Which is like, how would you, did you call the airport and like impersonate her? Like, how did you do that? We're in a post 9-11 world. You can't just go rebooking people's flights. Yeah. I can't even rebook my own flight. Right, right. So doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, I don't have an answer for that. Also, maybe she wants to stay and hang out in their their nice city that they keep referring to. They never tell us which city it is, but they're like in our lovely city. Yeah, I have no guesses for what city it is. Feels midwestern, maybe, yeah. but also more not that cold. Yeah, it's a smaller city. It's not like Chicago. I don't know. Maybe it's like in Indianapolis. I would say Indianapolis. That feels right. Yeah, yeah, they're in Indianapolis. They're in Indianapolis. We can we can just say it's that. <laughs> Maybe she wants to hang out in Indianapolis. Maybe she does. You don't know. Maybe she. I, and again, maybe she hates her family. And right. Why else would coping she... with the fact that she doesn't want to be with her family? So she's like, yeah. I'm just gonna work. That seems the most logical conclusion I would draw from somebody specifically delaying their trip their christmas trip home to have a business meeting i'd be like oh okay you don't want to spend christmas with your family great let me help you with that yeah come to my brother's family christmas party instead sure tag along whatever it's fine it it was yeah it was it was all very strange my last issue is um that he somehow got a boat customized <laughs> monogrammed and delivered <laughs> in like an hour i mean look if you have money you can do anything monogrammed it he had it the, on the side of it it had his son's name it said like what well, i don't even remember something it said like oh i was gonna say drew but that's his lackey i forgot what the kid's eric, name was eric ethan i don't know i could look it up yeah whatever the kid's name the that guy's boat it was on the side of the boat. Um, but to, you know what? To be fair, I will say his kid does really seem to like boats. So like it wasn't a completely like out of out of pocket. It was out of pocket. It was inappropriate as a gift. But he did pick something that his kid likes. You're not listening to me. You're looking up the, the uh, kid's name, aren't you? I am looking up the kid's name, but I also heard you. Yes, he picked something his kid likes. Eric. I was right. Eric, good job. Thank you. I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world that he wanted to give his kid a nice gift. Uh, I thought the way he then spoke to his ex-wife about it was terrible. But, um, but obviously, yes, clearly the lesson was like, your kid doesn't want a, this gift as much as he wants to spend time with you. But right, I was like, right. but you could do both, right? Like if I'm, if I'm yeah. your son, come, uh, yes, come to my concert, ice skate with me, also give me a boat. Thank you. 
yeah, if you can afford to give me a boat and I, and again, I really like boats. Boats are a big yeah. deal to me and you can afford it. Why not give me a boat? I don't know. You also teach me good values, but like maybe a boat. I don't know. Just yeah. saying. I would still take that. If anyone <laughs> wants to give me a boat and like also pay for storage for it for me since I live in an apartment in New York, but like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like really he was, he was giving his ex-wife like a, 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 a thing chore. to deal with. Yeah. Like that's really the problem here is that he was <laughs> handing his wife a responsibility that she was not prepared for and did not want. Yes. My last thing, this, I, I don't really know where this fits. So I'll just say it now, but did you catch the George Bush reference? Oh, I don't know. I, I Maybe not because um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, this movie really bored me and I was not paying super attention to it. Also, I think uh, I can cut this if you want, but I, I think as I was watching this was when you were having your soup meltdown. So I started paying attention <laughs> to your soup meltdown. <laughs> okay, the soup meltdown was only like, I would say like 20 minutes worth of uh, texting back and forth. Sure, but maybe it was the Maybe it was the 20 minutes when the George Bush reference happened. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to leave that in and not give any more context about the soup. No more context. Soup meltdown. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Tell me about George Bush. The, <laughs> the George Bush reference was in the second time loop when he starts to leave his office. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to get caught by the, the finger falling on my head again. I'm not going to die again. So he goes, um, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice you're not going to fool me again, which was mm-hmm. a thing that George Bush said that people made a lot of fun of in 2003 or 2004 when this movie was presumably mm. made. It's just so funny because there were all of these things that were like Bush-isms that people were like, LOL, he's the dumbest president ever. And now right. it's just like, what a quaint time. <laughs> That's very fun. I did not catch that. Um, so good ears daughter of Washington Post writer um (laughs) did you point that out to your dad we did not watch it together so no I feel like we had like a lot of like making fun of bush paraphernalia in my house (laughs) like we had like yeah I don't know why we had so much of it like there were we had like a like a squeak like a stress ball that was bush that you're like smush bush Mm. was the the gimmick and then we had like a I don't know, like a, a some coasters with dumb things he said. So it was a weird time. Yeah, I mean, these all sound like things that I would gift someone who wrote for the Washington Post in like 2003 and 2004. So it would make sense well, that you would have you know, to. Well, technically, my dad is uh, is unbiased, so um, <laughs> technically, you can't give that to him. You can give it to okay. my mom though; she'll appreciate okay. it. <laughs> Do you think? Your dad would appreciate it if I gave him a stress ball with Bush's face on it now. Or do you still I have think the old he'd be, one? That's very strange. <laughs> why? Why? What? What was this? What was this about? Just be like, I hear you like these. Okay, romance. Oh wait, I have one more thing. Sorry, I know I said mm-hmm. that was my last thing, but I have one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. I was very bothered by the fact that the brother kept calling candy canes the canes because <laughs> his dad like 
had to, his dad's big thing, who's like kind of ailing and sort of like losing his memory and stuff. His dad, uh, his big thing was like handing out candy canes on Christmas Eve at the store. Um, and his brother, like continually, every time he mentioned candy canes would be like, he just wants to hand out the canes. <laughs> Let dad hand out the canes. It's like, I don't really think people call them canes. Like they call them candy canes. I, I I agree. Um, I don't know why this reminded me. On Thanksgiving, we had this whole discussion. My um, my uncle was saying twenty four by seven instead of twenty four seven, and cousin his son was like, "No, it's twenty four seven and then had to like go around and be like, "How do you say this? How do you say this?" And we were all like twenty four seven. I've never heard anyone say 24 by seven, unless they're talking about dimensions. Right. Exactly. Which he was not. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. Incorrect. Consistency issue on Thanksgiving. (laughs) The cane. Yes. That is funny. It didn't, it didn't um, irritate my ears as much as it irritated yours. Well, it seems like I I was paying a lot more attention. (laughs) You had, you had other things on your mind, like my soup. (laughs) Yeah. Romance? Romance. Does their love Love stand the test test of of time? time? All right. So here's where we will reiterate our apology. Yeah, there's no love here. Forever sorry. So sorry. I'm wearing a hair shirt right now. Yeah. So we're eating eating crow, right? (laughs) I don't know. All of the above. It was implied in the trailer and in the brief plot summary and in the fact that this is a Christmas TV movie that he would be getting back together with his ex-wife. I guess if I had known it was a USA movie and not like a Hallmark or Lifetime movie, maybe I would have been a little more suspicious. But I don't know. Even so, I feel like the way that it's advertised and like the the point of this genre of film is for him to get back together with his ex-wife. Yeah. Especially if the issues that he had with his ex-wife seemed to be that he sort of started choosing the business over his family and not spending time with her and his son. So, I mean, maybe there's maybe there's room for reconciliation down the road. Maybe that's what we're meant to imply by the fact that she they haven't they have a nice moment at the Christmas party um, at the end. Yeah. Like enjoying her lemon squares. And then she does go to the hospital to make sure he's okay. But even even then, like the way that even like that moment at the Christmas party, like the way that it was shot, where she like she's in the foreground of the frame, he's in the background, and he's like looking lovingly at her, and she doesn't even know that he's looking at her that way. I was like, oh, they're about to like reconcile, like we're about to get the moment. Yeah, they like they they were using the visual language of like this is where the moment is coming. And then it didn't happen. So I'm like, was there a cut scene? Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Or maybe we could have gone a different direction. He could have gotten with Angie, Molly Shannon. I would have been fine with that, too. Who is a supernatural angel mm-hmm. nurse? Yeah. yeah. He's going to get with the supernatural angel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. It happens. Look, I think Fritz Chestnut would have a bone to pick with that. <laughs> Helena, it's called acting, okay? <laughs> Fritz Chestnut gets it. 
He's an artist as well, okay? I don't know. I don't know. He Chris actually Chestnut. is. I looked it up. He's an artist. He's a, he's a pretty possessive guy, so. <laughs> Haven't you seen the movie Her? Is Molly Shannon in Her? Is she the romantic lead? No. No, but, no, Her is the movie where Scarlett Johansson plays, like, Siri. Yeah. And... I think it's Joaquin Phoenix is the lead. Yeah. And yeah, no, I've seen it. I don't, I just don't understand what we're, <laughs> I'm saying if that love story can happen, if we can have a rom-com starring a disembodied technological voice and I don't Joaquin think that, Phoenix, that was, that was what you were meant to get from that movie page. <laughs> they fall in love. Do they not? Yeah. But it's like, I don't think they like end up together and it's like a weird, like this isn't right sort of ending regardless if they can fall in love (laughs) molly shannon as an angel can fall in love with calvin i'm just saying all right i suppose it could happen but it sounds like sexual harassment on the job to me for for molly shannon okay there that there could be a feminism issue there i'm just saying there was a there was multiple off ramps off ramps for romance that this movie did not take I mean, or he could have, like, he actually could have married Rihanna. Like, that would have been fine. I guess. I want better for Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, justice for Rihanna. He seems <laughs> bad. Um, and she's very beautiful and seems uh, at least a bit younger than him. She needs someone who appreciates Le Petit Maison. Like yeah. she does. She's a, she's a big city sophisticate. And he's just a, a businessman who, who doesn't care about the finer things in life. But, you know, I did I did realize that, like, once the two of them, like, pretty obviously had sex in, like, the third to last time loop, I was like, oh, it's not happening for Rihanna because she is a bad lady who had premarital sex. So we're not going to mm. we're not going to see a love story for her. It's not going to happen. Right. In this movie that explicitly mentions God. Yes, exactly. Even though it's on the USA Network, which does throw a wrench into things. But. I don't know. This movie is so weird. It's like trying to trying to follow the rules, but also not. I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, the USA Network, the birthplace of Meghan Markle. So do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. <laughs> Wasn't um, Monk on USA Network, too? Maybe. Monk, yeah. I never watched Monk. I did watch Suits starring Meghan Markle. I never watched so. Suits, but I did watch Monk. Okay. And then there was that one where the guy was a fake psychic. Psych. Psych. That guy was cute. Then there was the one with Matt Bomer. White Collar. Uh-huh. Was it just called White Collar? It couldn't have just called White Collar. Welcome to Thursday Time, a podcast where we try to name USA shows from memory. My mom watched a lot of them when I was growing up. Um, and then my and then my college roommate watched a lot of them. Jess. Well, there you go. Um, and then I did watch Suits, and thank goodness I did. Well, like, what is USA Network doing now? Like, when's the last time that there was like a hit on the USA Network? Was it I mean, Suits? Think, yeah, I mean, I think they're sort of like we we birthed a duchess. We're good. I mean, honestly, that's fair. Were there other attempts that they had at Christmas movies or was this it? They were like, we tried and we got really confused about how this works. So we're not going to do it again. USA Network Christmas movies. Honestly, they were like, fool me once, shame on me. (laughs) 
Mr. Monk and the Secret Santa. Is that <laughs> about a holiday special. It's a Monk episode that is a a, a Christmas one. Sonic Christmas Blast, Miss Scrooge. Ooh, Miss Scrooge sounds fun. <laughs> okay, hold on. We're gonna, I'll tell you more. It might Ms. actually Scrooge. be time travel because it, it sounds like it's a, a Christmas Carol version. Yeah, it's from 1997, made for TV movie. Cicely Tyson as the title character. And it's, okay. yeah, it's, Char- it's a reworking of A Christmas Carol. All right, we'll put it on the list for next year. Ebenita Scrooge has spent years climbing to the top. Ebenita? Oh, my life. God. Fuck yeah. She owns a savings and loan. I don't know what that means. It is ruthless when it comes to business. She's visited by the ghost of her former mentor and partner. I mean, it sounds like it's just a Christmas carol. Yeah. No tri- no twist, just straight up. I mean, the twist is that it starts Cecily Tyson. I mean, sure, but how much of a twist is that? It's enough of a twist to get me hooked. All right, we're we're doing it. Put it on the wow, list. There's so many. There's so many monk Christmas specials here. It's Mr. Monk and the Miracle. Mr. Monk and the Man Who Shot Santa Claus. Mr. Monk and the Secret Santa. I mean, Monk Monk was on for like a billion years, and Tony Shalhoub won an Emmy like every single year. Um, there's also a Psych Christmas special called Christmas Joy. There's a movie called The Elf and the Magic Key, and then there's a movie called The Elf Who Saved Christmas, and then there's something called Gus's Dad May Have Killed an Old Guy. Clicking on that one. One second. <laughs> Gus's dad may have killed an old guy. That's a terrible name oh, for a I'm movie. I'm sorry. That that's an episode of Psych. That's a for the Christmas oh, okay. episode of Thank Psych. God. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of Christmas movies. It does seem like a lot of these are holiday specials. Okay, but they did do a few. They were like, maybe this is our thing. Maybe we maybe we're the next lifetime. But like for the premarital sex having set. There's also a movie called Holiday Affair from 1996. It seems like... <gasps> Steamy. It's an adaptation of the 1949 movie of the same name. Hmm. It's a Gorgana's Life. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that 2004 is probably like the end point of them trying to do Christmas stuff, though, based on this. Yeah, because they were like... Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I need to tell you that It's a Gorgana's Life is a Christmas episode of the short-lived USA Network series Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. That actually sounds, like, really good. <laughs> Honestly. Tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. That sounds excellent. How can we right. watch that show? Uh, I, I don't know. I, there's probably a USA Network streaming platform. All right, great. Well, also- I'm, sign me up for that. Also, if that show is not, like, super, super gay, like, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, it's from the 90s. They probably are going to pretend it's not. But then you're but like, like, probably like, well, it, they are. Like underground it is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cr- the the Chrisley, the Chrisley family. They're on the USA Network. So like there's a lot of Chrisley family Christmas movies. You know, the Chrisley, Chrisley knows no. best. Oh, I don't care about them. Right. So they've like moved into reality shows. There's a movie called Nutcracker Cha-Cha-Cha. <laughs> There's something called the Polarizing Express. <laughs> the Polarizing Express is another Christmas episode of Psych. Damn it. The Polarizing Express is is a great name for something, though. I know. We should write a movie called The Polarizing Express. Nobody steal that idea. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Copyright, copyright. That's how you copyright something, right? That's how you copyright. You just have to say it. Copyright, copyright. 
<laughs> it's like getting a Jewish divorce. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we move on? I-, I guess. Do you have anything more to say about romance? Oh, um, yes. Um, I think um his brother wants to marry his ex-wife. Oh, yeah, completely agree. His brother was very cute also. I was like, give us a movie about this guy. His brother was very cute and then um, got very drunk on eggnog and was definitely hitting on Marilyn, even though he's also married. Yeah. Um, I really like the moment where the grandpa was like, who's that? Who's that lady? <laughs> uh, it was great. I guess I also will say, since we are talking about romance, even though we did take a, a very large detour, um, <laughs> I hope that even if they don't get back together, this awakening will make him a better co-parent and make Marilyn's life easier. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This man has made her life pretty difficult in general. Right. And it's, you know, a shame, you know, as we've talked about, right, just because romances end does not mean that they were not worth it or successful. And especially, you know, if you were married for a long time, it seems like she really helped him build the business. They have a kid together. Seems like it's a, it was a successful relationship in many ways. Um, yes, and definitely. I, you know, it's a shame that it, that she would have to have bad feelings associated with it because he is now being a bad co-parent and partner in this next stage of their relationship. Right. They still have a relationship, just not yeah. a romantic one. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. We may now move on. Ladies. Ladies. Did, Did we just time travel back, back to the 1950s? Okay, so speaking of ways that he sucks as a co-parent, he gets his son this boat, which, as we've talked about, is giving his wife a chore. <laughs> <laughs> and on the phone with him, she's sort of like, why did you do this? And he's like, you don't object to the expensive gifts you get from me the rest of the year. And she says, are you talking about child support? <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, very Honestly, generous. That was a very funny support. line. Yeah. Very generous child support. Like, dude, come on. You're giving her the child support to raise the child, raise your raise child. child. <laughs> stupid. Very stupid. stupid. This is feminism. Um, the ex wife's hairpiece at the yes! uh, Christmas party, crime against humanity. <laughs> okay, I was so confused about what her haircut was the whole movie because sometimes she has long hair yes sometimes she has short hair and when she has short hair she looks so much like rihanna who also has short blonde hair yes. i was getting so confused especially like when she when she came to the office to drop off the gift for a second i like thought it was rihanna i was like i was getting very confused if you're gonna have two women in his life you need to give them either very different hairstyles very different hair colors like these right. white blonde women look the same to me. And don't keep changing her hair. Don't keep changing the right. ex-wife's hairstyle because I was like, okay, marking, she has a bad hair piece on. And then right. later she didn't. And I was like, wait, who is that again? Yeah, I was very confused. Yes, Marilyn and Rihanna looked way too similar. And then they kept changing Marilyn's hair and I was so confused. It was bad. It was bad. Did not like. <laughs> That's feminism. That's feminism. However, did you catch uh, this? This actually is feminism uh, intersectionally. Did you catch uh, in the Christmas concert that they dressed up the children in like stereotypical um, world outfits? Yes, yes, I did. 
I did not know how to feel about that. I was sort of like, representation? Okay, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're putting an Asian child who has no lines in a like uh, conical rice patty hat. Um, yeah. And then you're putting a, a brown child who also has no lines in a sombrero. Um, so I'm going to say it's not representation. <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah, similarly, I noticed that the one scene in the soup kitchen had more Black extras in it than we have ever seen in a made-for-TV movie combined. Fascinating. Fascinating. Or or in the rest of the, the movie, which had plenty yeah. of extras. <laughs> right. And it's just like, oh, so you you do notice, right? You are, and you are capable of getting extras of all different backgrounds. Right, right. You, are you just are looking for, quote, unquote, homeless types. Right. You are making deliberate choices. Yeah. And that was, that was very fucked up. Very fucked up. Also, his, uh, when he does go to the soup kitchen and he's, like, volunteering, um, he sits down to talk to the priest and his his big opener, his big observation is a lot of homeless here at the soup kitchen. I was like, okay. Also, like, as the priest points out, like, not all of them are homeless. And I'm like, yeah, dude, why did you think they were homeless? Did you ask all of them as they were getting soup from you if you had, if they had a house? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was actually glad that the priest, I was glad that they actually had mm-hmm. someone making that point in the movie. I was surp- pleasantly surprised by that. But I did think that his... Um, like initial opener line was like really strange i also just i'm not really sure what the movie was trying to say so the priest says some of these people aren't homeless a lot of them are what i call perpetual heart cases addiction mental health problems families down on their luck and people have made a lot of really bad choices and i was sort of like and (laughs) i was just sort of like he is it just really... trying to make the point that not everybody who goes to a soup kitchen is homeless? Is that like the whole, was that the whole point of that monologue or? But like, and then what does he do with that information? Because in the next loop, it's just like all about him spending time with his family. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what the, what the soup kitchen did for him other than Molly Shannon being like, just because you went to a soup kitchen one time doesn't make you a good person. I mean, I guess that's right. a fair point, but also like. I don't know. Like, what did we really get from that? Right. And also, like, I don't know. Those are, sure, like, those are all, I think, examples of reasons that people end up in bad situations. I think that's not an exhaustive list. <laughs> um, right, I right. Think, like, we could also just talk about, like, generational poverty and, like, racial inequality and, like, housing instability and, like like systematic issues I yeah of I just think sort of like you know the um all those reasons that the priest gave are really like uh even though he is saying like these are like things that happen to people and are are all reasons it's all like pointing back to the individual in every every yeah. one of those situations rather than right. being like well there's a housing shortage and people are hoarding wealth like you right yes yeah, sure. That's I think that's where we could have gone with the the conversation where cuz yeah, we it's so confusing cuz yeah, earlier in, in an earlier loop he like gives away a million dollars in 100 dollar bills. And we don't talk about that that he just like he had a million dollars to give away and it doesn't seem like that would have affected him in his business really at all. Like he could have just kept going. 
Yeah. But also, like that maybe he seem could to be the right answer. I don't know. I I don't I don't I I didn't really know how to feel about that that loop in general because I was like, it's kind of good that he's just like handing it out to people. We love wealth re- redistribution. Yeah. It was all very confusing, but none of that was right, right? Like, this movie was confusing to me because it's, like, when he did that, Molly Shannon was like, no. And when he's like, I'm going to give all my employees paid the paid day off to go spend Christmas with their families. And I was like, that sounds nice. Yeah. Good, good job. You just made, like, at least 100 people's lives infinitely better for the day. And Molly Shannon was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> your one your one rich son would like to spend time with you which like right. yes, also it's all about your one son. your son who seems like he's probably gonna be fine maybe have some daddy issues but be fine right like yeah you should spend time with your son as well like i'm not saying you shouldn't i'm not saying just because just your son lives in a nice house and gets a boat doesn't mean he shouldn't spend time with his dad like i'm just saying like why not like all of the above Right. Like, I could see a world in which he does all of the things, all of the good things in that final day. But instead, he's like, no, 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 just time with my son. Well, it's a very, like, nuclear family-centric view of what is being a good person and what is, like, living a good life. And rather than, like, you know, uh, the idea that we are all in community with each other and that... uh, our family should be our idea of family should be bigger than just the people that are in our immediate circle. Yeah. I guess I was, I'm just, again, still confused about what they were trying to say by throwing in that soup kitchen scene at the end and having the priest say all that to him. It's like, okay, maybe he's learning lessons about, about other people, but then we never really see him utilize those lessons because the only people he's really interacting with on that last day that he like quote unquote gets right are his family members and he has I think more sympathy maybe towards his father who didn't handle the business well but maybe that's about it wants to hand out the canes wants to hand out the canes yeah they really didn't do anything with it and they also didn't really resolve he says a lot of things to Angie that like are also valid points like that fact that like a lot of people like the people he employs like count on the business and the fact like that he didn't let it go into bankruptcy also his mom when she was sick needed the business because again we don't actually take care of people or have health care in this country so he needed to like help her and pay for nurses and all of these things and like that doesn't get resolved either like obviously sort of the, what the movie is uh, i think implying is like he can do both right like there's a middle ground you can you can run a business without making it your whole life and you know, he's obviously, like I said, definitely hoarding wealth because he could give away a million dollars and not and ha- not have it affect his business. Um, he could close stores for a day and not have it affect his business. Um, so he could definitely be a much better boss than he is. But also, he does need to, and we talk about this all the time with these movies, like these movies like to pretend that nobody needs to work at all. And that right. is just also not true. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't have social safety nets. Work is evil, but also pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. Very confusing. Yeah. Maybe it's just that working at Christmas. It's it's you can't be working and also be in the Christmas spirit. Which is why right. I am uh 
writing off the rest of this year because it's, <laughs> it's after Thanksgiving and we're done. I mean, I'm also unemployed, so I don't really have a choice. But also, right? But if, it, if that's the spirit, right? If, if, or if that's the message, right? Like you should be working, but not on Christmas Eve. Then why was it bad that he let all of his employees stay home with paid leave on Christmas Eve? I don't know if it was bad. It just wasn't the solution. I don't know. Feels like, again, that did sort of more global good than him hanging out with his son. I agree. I really really think they should have just had him do all of the good things. Give away the money. Go to the soup kitchen. Maybe bring his son to the soup kitchen. Maybe, you you know, uh, let his employees go. Hand out the canes. Like, do all the things. Help his dad hand out the canes. Help, Help your dad with the canes, okay? Go to the family party. Like, all you can do all that stuff. Like, he knows. Yeah. Break up with your slutty girlfriend. Like, all of those things should happen. Uh, and, and in my rewrite of the movie, it's like he's taking a gift from each day of Christmas. So, mm. we're also tying in the 12 days of Christmas. And wow, that's like, beautiful. Thank you. I am available for script punch-ups. Please hire me. I am, again, unemployed. <laughs> you should write that movie. I don't know how you can make it so it makes sense that it's called The Polarizing Express, but <laughs> I believe in you. I think The Polarizing Express is a movie about two pollsters, like um, people who like uh, do polling and they are on opposite sides and they fall mm. in love. What if they're pole vaulters? Oh, that's good too. And they're on a train together to like a competition. That that breaks down, and then they have to like find their way to the competition, but then they end up in the North Pole by accident. That's one way. I was thinking like it's a speed situation. The train gets like taken over or <laughs> taken as hostages, <laughs> and they have to work together and use their pole vaulting skills to like defeat the bad guys. I love that. I mean. Sounds amazing. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Copyright, copyright, copyright. copyright. <laughs> okay. All right. What's next? Do you have anything else to say about feminism? No, I I've said everything there is to say about feminism. Is is it the is best, it the best Here's where we talk about if you should watch it, in what context. We rate it on our doomsday clock on a scale from noon to midnight. Noon being notoriously, it's so bad. Gouge your own eyes out before you watch this. Midnight being notoriously, it's so good. It's like a party in your eyeballs. It's the best thing. You should watch it all day and all night. Woo-woo. woo And, um, yeah. And, Helena, any final thoughts? Rating? Go. I will give this movie a 4. 4 p.m. Purely for Molly Shannon, because she's, she's a bright light. Um, she is really entertaining to watch. Like, honestly, she's just fun to watch. Um, and also, the deaths were funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hair piece was bad. So mm-hmm. that's why it's a 4 p.m. for me. Great. I don't know, 2. 2 p.m. I just, like, didn't enjoy watching this. Molly Sh- and the 2 is purely for Molly Shannon and the funny deaths. Okay, cool. There were some funny deaths and funny lines about the deaths. I like the Wiley Coyote line. Molly Shannon was great. The rest of the movie was boring. And just the moral that I'm supposed to take from it was confusing. There was no romance. I wasn't into it, to be honest. Okay, cool. Great.
great. And hopefully next time you hear from us, we'll be in the same place with actual microphones. Yeah, better sound and quality, better pizza. Papa, Papa John. <laughs> and with that, we'll, we'll be back be in, in no time, time at all. I think we I think we're doing it. Um uh, how is my sound? It's fine. Okay. Is there any weird crackles? <laughs> no crackles, no snaps, no pops. Okay, excellent. I think I need- we did it. Oh. What? <laughs> Remind me to never borrow your your sweatshirt. Well, yeah, I haven't showered in days, so not this one at least. <laughs> It's Thanksgiving weekend. Who needs to shower? I mean, I I still have been uh, keeping up with the hygiene Kardashians, but... The hygiene Kardashians? Is that a phrase people use? No, I was just like keeping up with hygiene, but oh, I wanted to add oh, the Kardashians. Gotcha, keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, also I had the... The people came over yesterday, so... yeah. Yes, that's true. Yes, I I did shower on Thanksgiving, and it's only when you're Saturday. People, yeah, it's only Saturday. So okay, so you made it sound worse than it is. It's actually fine. Yeah, it's actually fine. <laughs> it is exactly noon on Saturday. It's been right. So you did the time to like, take a shower and <laughs> not be, you know. Yeah. Anyway, 